summary of the Sikha. And this week we have the, the uh, Posik, the mitzvah of Maka. When a person builds a new house, you have to make a, uh, a fence around the roof. Uh, so the Sifri says that what says when you build a new house, that includes also the Beis Amigdash. The building of the Beis Amigdash also needs a roof, a uh, uh, gate, a fence around the roof. Which in fact it had, but it's teaching us that it wasn't just there for decorative purposes, it was an actual mitzvah that it had to be there. So there's a well-known question that since we know that a shul and a base medrash does not need, is exempt from a market, as the Gemara teaches that it says, Gagecha, your roof, which means that but a roof of a shul and a base medrash does not need it. So then why would the base amigdash need one? And the Raghat Shabbat answers it in a very creative way that since we, we are told that the base amigdash was built in a in the, the way they built the Besamidish was that the materials were not consecrated before they built them. They left it all as non-consecrated materials. Only after the entire thing was finished did they consecrate the whole building. And the reason was because when construction workers work, so they sometimes lean on a wall or lean on a stone or put their tool somewhere. So And that would be considered me'iluk. That would be considered using something that belongs to the holy Beis Amigdash, and you're not allowed to do that. It's a serious violation. So therefore, they didn't consecrate anything until it was all over and it was all done. So since, and the chiyuv of the obligation to make a maka occurs when, as soon as the building is built, so even before you start using it, so at that time it was not yet consecrated. They only consecrated after it was finished. By then, there was already a need to have a maka, and therefore, they had to do a maka. But this needs... It's, it's difficult to understand this answer, because the reason that a shul does not need a maka is not because it's a holy place. Rather, it's because it doesn't... It, it's not gagecha, your place, because there is no individual owner. There's no person that could say that they own the shul. And therefore, that's the reason why you, have to, you, you don't need a maka in a shul. And for that reason, the, the Beis Amigdash shouldn't also need it. There's no individual owner to the Beis Amigdash. And another thing, if you have uh, somebody built a house which did need a market and then turned it into a shul, it no longer needs a market because now it's a shul. So the fact that the Beis Amigdash needed a, for the moment before they consecrated, need a market, but then once it was consecrated, it wouldn't need a market anymore. So what's the answer? So to explain, Rashi explains that the reason that why a shul doesn't need um, a maka is because it, it's not gagecha, it's not your roof, is because nobody has, nobody owns the shul. Anybody from anywhere in the world can come and use the shul. Any Jew from anywhere in the world. By this he's explaining the difference between a house that is owned by partners and the shul. What's the difference? The din is that a, a house that belongs to a number of people does have to have a market. And the Gemara says that even though it's not gagechad, you can not point to one person and say it's his roof, it's a number of people that own it together, but since the Torah gives the explanation, why do you need a market? Why do you need this fence around the roof? So that nobody should fall off the roof. So what's the difference if it's one person or three people that own it? The reason still exists. So if that's the case, so then what about a shul? A shul also, the many people use it, the fact that many people use it, still, if somebody could fall off. 
So Rashi explains that the reason is, the reason why a shul is exempt is because there's nobody that you can put the responsibility on. Who owns this place? When there are three people that own it as shutfim, as partners, so each one of them has the obligation to put up a market. They own it. They, but when a shul, that anyone in the whole world is a user of the shul, so then who are you going to put the responsibility on? There's nobody that, that has the responsibility. Everyone in the whole world has is a user. So even though, in, certain, in a certain sense, you, the people of the city own the shul, but since in regards to Makkah, the real issue is who is using it, not who owns it, but who's using it, and therefore, everybody in the whole world is using it, so therefore there's no user who can be put in charge or given the responsibility of having... The mitzvah isn't directed at any individual. Or the way the Raghachava says it, it Maka is about the one that lives there, the one that uses it. And a shul, everybody's a user. So who are you going to give the responsibility to? So that could explain the difference between a shul and the and the Besamigdash. In regards to the Besamigdash, the place, both the place of the Besamigdash, when Dabra Melech bought it from Aravna Yavusi, he collected money from every single shaven, meaning to say he wanted it to belong to everyone, to all the Yidin together, as partners in the Besamigdash. And when they collected the money to build the Beis HaMikdash. Also, just like by the Mishkan, everybody contributed without question. Then also everybody contributed. So every Yid is a partner in the Beis HaMikdash. And although it's true, it says by the Karbanas that when you give a half a shekel, the, everybody has to give it over to the, to the co- communal fund. You have to completely transfer it to the communal fund. You hold no... It's not that you have a half a shekel in that uh, box. You gave it over to the co- community. That's what it, a requirement for the carbonus that, that it belongs to the community. It comes from the communal fund, even though everybody contributes. And the same would be true also for the Beis Amigdash, that when you give it over, you give it over fully to the, to the Beis Amigdash. So that would seem to undermine that everybody's a partner. How they are they a partner? But we see, however that by Kairach, Moshe Rabbeinu offered a prayer to Hashem that Hashem should not accept when, he, when they brought the carbon uh, Tomid. Moshe Rabbeinu said, don't accept Kairach's share in the carbon Tomid. Of course, Kairach gave us half a shekel, so he was part of the carbon Tomid. So Moshe Rabbeinu prayed, don't accept his part of it. Why was there a need for that? It was completely a community carbon. So, so Kairach didn't seem to have a share in it but we see from here that even though it's given over to the community but still every Yid has a stake in it so therefore every Yid has a stake in the Beis Hamidrash as well and therefore every Yid is a partner it's like owned in partnership by all the Yidin around the world and since every Yid is a partner so therefore partners do have to make a maka and that's why the Beis Hamidrash did make, make, uh, have to give a maka have to have a maka but you could still ask a maka is only required for a place in which people live in other words people are there in, a, in what's called a base dira a place where people live which is the re- a reason why a shul and a base manager don't need a maka because people don't live there so the base amigdash also has the same thing nobody lives in the base amigdash so one could, in answer to that one could say that the, uh, what does it mean to live there how do you express living in a place it means primarily eating in that place 
as we see by a sukkah, that a sukkah you have to, it said by sukkah's teishvu, you shall dwell in the sukkah. The Gemara says, teishvu kein taduri, you shall dwell in the sukkah like you live there. And what way does one live in the sukkah? You eat in the sukkah, that's primarily expressed by eating in the sukkah. So we see that living in the place means to eat in the place. And therefore, a Beis HaMikdash, the Beis HaMikdash, which is a place where the eating of the kochim, of the leftovers of the karbonas by the kayanim and even the owners, took place in the Beis HaMikdash environs. So therefore, that was a place for eating of the karbonas. So it was a place where people dwelled, where people lived, because they ate the karbonas over there. And even though the eating of the karbonas really took place in the courtyard of the Beis HaMikdash, and not in the actual building, but there is a halacha that if for some reason they can't eat it in the courtyard they're, they're, should, they're allowed to and therefore must enter into the building itself in order to eat it there and although you'll say that uh, in, in a, in a Besaknesis you're not allowed to eat there but in a certain situation a Tamat Chacham it says is allowed to eat there if there's no other option he's allowed to eat in the Besaknesis so then also in the Besaknesis there's eating going on is that not a Besdira? The answer is that in the Beis HaKnesis, it's only as a one-time thing. You're not allowed to make a habit out of it. It's only meant as a one-time thing. Whereas in the Beis HaMikdash, it's meant to be. It's meant that you should eat karbonas over there. That is a part of its function, is that karbonas should be eaten there. So that is a permanent situation, and therefore a Beis HaMikdash is called a Beis Dira, whereas a Shul and a Beis Medish are not. So now to understand this whole thing in the spiritual sense, what does it all mean? What does a maka mean? And to understand why a Beis Amigdash does need a maka and a shul does not need a maka, spiritually speaking. The meaning of, a, of the maka is to make a maka, which means a, to, to rein in, to make a, a fence around, means a person could reach a level of gagecha, you feel elevated, you feel arrogant, you feel up, up there, you know, like you're important, self-importance. So the Torah says, you have to rein in that self-importance because this could lead to nipal hanayfel, somebody could fall, in other words, you could fall. All negative things happen because, a person's, because of a person's arrogance. So the Torah instructs you, rein in your arrogance. Rain in your feeling of self-importance. Bittel is what it's all about. A feeling of submission and subservience to Hashem. That's what it's all about. If not, you could fall. You could become a fallen person. And that's what it means that even the Beis Hamikdash needs a maka. Because a person could say, well, in my ordinary life, when I'm living out there in the world, of course, I have to rein in my arrogance. But when I'm living in a place of holiness, when my arrogance comes from a feeling, you know, learning and davening, I feel elevated because of my dedication to Yiddishkeit, so what's the harm? What's the big deal? It's all in holiness. So the Torah says, no, even when you're t- dealing with holiness, even the Beis HaMikdash and even the Kachikadosh and the Maka went around the Kachikadosh as well, the roof over the Kachikadosh as well, even in that high place, you have to be forewarned. You have to make sure that feelings of importance do not interfere with your growth. And even worse, when the Torah says, Ki yipal anayfal, it seems to be directing it that it's not that you may fall off the roof, it's in case somebody, somebody is somebody else other than you. What does that mean? A person, especially a person that is out there working with people, and he could have enough, he, the, the purpose of 
a yid's existence in the world is to create an environment. That's what sivne bayis chodesh. When you build a new home, means when you create an environment around yourself, which is the the obligation of every yid to make an environment of Torah for Hashem around them and the, their, their space in the world. So when you do that, you come into contact with other people. And sometimes your arrogance will have an, a negative effect not only on yourself, but it could also have an effect on somebody else. That person gets turned off because of your, the way you communicate in a self-important way. That's why the Torah says, even in holiness you must reign in it. Even if it, it might affect somebody else, it's even worse than if it affects you. And even if it's, as the Torah says, Yipal Anoifal, this is a person that is a fallen person anyway, and, and what's the big deal if, uh, you know, he falls a little more, why is that my problem? He was already fallen, and why can't he separate between, the, you know, the chaff and the good, and why can't he take the good things that I'm telling him and discard the arrogance, the, the communication in which I communicated? It's his fault, it's not my fault, so the Torah says no. It's your responsibility that even a fallen person should not fall as a result of your feeling of self-importance. So then a person will say, so fine, so I will cease and desist from having any communication with other people. I don't want to turn anybody off. I don't want anybody to fall as a result of my gaiva. So I won't deal with other people. I'll just be locked into myself. I'll grow myself. And that's all I'll do. So the Torah says, no you are responsible to build a new house which means you can't rely on other people making an environment for Yiddishkeit you have to build one a new house means something that is unique to you not that you're relying on what other people do not you're relying on your father and your grandfather they did a good job every Yid has a mission in this world to create an environment and, but you're worried about your feelings of self-importance yes, make a maka rein it in, make sure that you don't have a negative effect on other people as the Mittler Rebbe who uh, instituted that whoever came to visit him to spend time by the Rebbe went on his way back home they used to travel through towns and, and, and the villages and so on they had to chazer chassidus they had to communicate chassidus to the people in that town so there was one young man that said to the Rebbe when I, I, I have a good talent to communicate chassidus and therefore I feel important, I feel self-important so I want to stop doing it, I don't want to feel like a Balgaiva so the Mittler Rebbe said you continue to chadach chassidus but you have to turn to a tzibli you have to make an onion out of yourself in other words, make sure you don't become arrogant but that doesn't mean that you can stop teaching chassidus which explains why a shul, the difference between a shul and the Beis Amidash, a shul is primarily for learning and davening, which is more inner-directed. That is a person's personal growth, not the way he influences people outside himself and the world outside himself. Whereas the Beis Amidash was a place from which the light was shed to the whole world. That's why the windows were, were uh, designed the opposite of windows and homes. They, were, they opened wider to the outside rather than to the inside as a home normally does in those days. And so everything about the Beis Amidish was more about influencing the world around and making sure that the word of Hashem got to the world around. So one over there, there is a greater importance to have a maka when you're self-directed and growing in spiritual terms, learning and davening. So there's not as much danger as becoming having a negative influence through your feelings of self-importance. But when you're in a Beis Amigdash, which is outer-directed, it's much more important to have a mark and to make sure that it doesn't have a negative effect.